Hello, everyone, and thanks for coming back to World Forge. World Forge is a podcast by creators and for creators, where we use random prompts to invent just about anything you can imagine. Together, we'll make heroes and villains, ancient monsters and magical cities, and our hope is that we can inspire all the other creators and storytellers out there listening to do the same. So without any further ado, I'm Piper. And I'm Sam. And welcome to World Forge. Hello, hello, dear listeners. Hello, well, hello. I'm back. That's that's four hellos now at this point. Wow. Uh, we're very excited to see you. Yeah, hey, what's uh, on? And by see you, I mean talk at uh, you into a microphone uh, <laughs> with, with only half of Piper's face in front of me because there's pillows that block our our microphone echo. So, yeah. uh, like I said, it's good to see you, listeners. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming back. We're really excited to be here again for another uh, exciting episode of World Forge. And this episode is particularly exciting because mm-hmm. uh, for the first time in what seems like ages now. It has been a while. It has been a while. We're joined by some very special guests. Uh our dear friends over at uh, Monsters and, and Multiclass. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves here? I'll start. Hi, uh, I'm Jared from Monsters and Multiclass, obviously. Um, and I'll just say, initially, <laughs> it's it's really uh, surreal hearing this from the the other side. It's like I'm watching one of your episodes, but like in real time. <laughs> and I got to oh say, it's, it's super messing with me. <laughs> We're oh, going funny. into the next level, man. Yeah, it's exactly. all coming together. <laughs> And I'm Kevin, also from Monsters Monsters and Multiclass. Probably could have put that together. Um, excited to be here. This is really our first uh, guest appearance in this in the podcast world. So hopefully we don't screw it up. Oh, it's cool. uh, it's Jared from Monsters and Multiclass, and Kevin, some guy that Jared found on the street in <laughs> the studio. I asked yeah, him what up, he, guys? I asked him if he liked Dungeons and Dragons, and he said sure. So yeah. he mumbled something incoherent, and so I just invited him. In. <laughs> he promised me food, so I'm here for that. After I don't know. <laughs> Well, we are very excited to have you guys on. Uh, we are really big fans of your show as well. Uh, do you guys want to talk about just real quick what it is that you do, where people can find you if they're interested, if they're not familiar with your work? Yeah, so you can find us uh, literally anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, if you find any place that you can't, let me know, and I'll be really angry about that. Um, but <laughs> in general, what we do is we <laughs> like to look at a different multi-class each week. Uh, break it down both mechanically and a, from a role-playing perspective and just see what we can come up with, see what works, see what doesn't, talk about what different traps you might fall into if you're trying to do that multi-class. Um, and then we go into a uh, monster segment where we talk about basically the same ideas, how to use these monsters in your game to get the most out of them so that you're not just having these lackluster encounters. Uh, so... Beyond that, we just talk about anything and everything D&D related. So, you know, it, it's it's nice. a mishmash. Sweet. Yeah, just like I, your concept. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> your your show is uh, fulfilling the prophecy of multi-class in podcast form. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, when Sam and I were brainstorming how, like, what sort of a topic we could cover, I was like, so their <laughs> what the show. What can we do with these guys? Well, I was like, so their show is all about bringing two things together. And I'm like, what's the thing where two things come together? And I was like, um, we could each come up with Siamese twins. No, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that makes no sense. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, I'll, 
a lot of work went into uh, finding a way to, to help you guys fit into the format a little, a little better here. Uh, but I guess, it, you know, on that note, um, we decided to be fairly straightforward with it, actually. Um, mm-hmm. What we thought would be really cool to talk about uh, would be some sort of unorthodox party compositions and specifically uh, party compositions that are all multi-class parties. And to do that, we thought we would draw on some of the multi-class combinations you guys have explored on your show. On your show. So Jared, <laughs> you were uh, gracious enough to randomly generate uh, four multi-class options for us to use. Mm-hmm. We will also be, of course, employing our patented uh, random prompt technology that we use every week. And we'll <laughs> each be coming up with a character uh, based on, you know, these sort of multi-class options that, that you're giving us and our prompt. And then at the end, we'll talk about what kind of adventure they might go on. We'll maybe do a brief little kind of kind of storyboard something out for you and talk about how that all comes together. Exactly. What happens when all of these misfit toys get put on an island together and are <laughs> exactly. ruled by a flying lion man? <laughs> I think yeah. that's been done uh, before. I don't know if we want to go that oh, direction. <laughs> no, it's a completely original concept. Yeah, I swear. Doesn't, <laughs> doesn't sound familiar to me at all. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but I guess on that note, should we maybe start talking about what our prompts are here? Do you guys want to you want to share sure. the multi-class sure, sure, uh, sure. wonders that you have in store for us? Exactly. What did you bring for us today? Yeah. So for Sam, I bestow upon you the Bard Warlock multi-class. Uh, so yes. lucky oh. for you, because that's some nice <laughs> nice charisma overlap. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think, in, from my perspective, it's impossible to make a Warlock character that isn't interesting. Right. I think the n- coolest thing about the warlock as a as a class is that you have a really cool backstory automatically baked in like no matter what abilities you have no matter what else about you you know you sold your soul to a higher power or or you know you made a pact with a higher power i think that's really really neat um and for me it's always really fun to sort of talk about weird and and kind of um unorthodox uh patrons that you could use you know like i I think i've talked about this on air before once i really want to make a warlock that has two patrons one is like an angel and the other is a devil and they both sit on his shoulder and whisper into his ears and depending on how he acts he gets different abilities and powers from them i think there's (laughs) so much cool stuff you can do with warlocks i think i think kevin brought that kind of idea to the table when we did the cleric warlock oh cool Mm -hmm. okay that makes a lot of sense that sounds vaguely familiar yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, uh, I definitely didn't listen to that episode. That's so. okay. <laughs> um, Wonderful. What else do we got? All right. For Piper, you get the Druid Fighter. Woo! Yay. Another really um, solid one. I. Yeah. So I know, I knew more about Druids than I knew about Fighters because I said to Sam uh, when we were talking about it is. I feel like a fighter as a class in a D&D game setting is kind of, it's a little funny to me because I feel like everybody in D&D is a fighter. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, does a campaign even exist where you don't do any fighting? Yeah, right. Not really. So I was, <laughs> I, we were kind of talking about that, of what makes a fighter stand out from all the other people who fight. And um, so that's something that'll be, I did some research and stuff, and that'll be some yeah. interesting things to pull in. Although that being said, I actually do think it would be really fun to run a campaign that's purely based on just like the economy of you know just everybody is running a trade caravan or something like that oh, yeah. and how you balance those things i don't know that the minutiae of that seems fascinating no and i interesting would to me. love that too although then it would just become a role play yeah, and not so yeah. much of the you know combat game, element yeah. of the game yeah. yeah yeah one of the things i often heard argued uh against that is that uh D 
really just doesn't have the rule set, the complexity in the rule set that allows for a fully role-playing game. Uh, you know, like at the end of the day, yeah. 50, not even 50%, like 75% of the books are dedicated to combat. So if you're not having combat, yes. you probably yeah. should run a different game. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Which and is... I mean, we've that's something that I've explored in past games a lot is like, you know, I want to have a really robust system for how how looting works or how like trade goods work. And then I look and I'm like, cool, I have three paragraphs that explain all yeah. of this. Like, <laughs> I guess I have to just write all this myself. Literally says in the I think the DMG where it's like if you are spending your time worrying about the uh, different currency creation and how different empires have different <laughs> currency, uh, this is probably not the right game for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I would be very curious to do some research into some other like tabletop roleplay games, yeah. if only because whenever I DM, combat is my least favorite part, personally, because I feel like it kind of slows down the story and the story is what I'm most invested in. And I like the the roleplay and the world building and all of that. And so whenever I DM, I kind of like throw in combat as like a, a okay i have to do this so i usually make it like last minute um but yeah i would be interested to find more games that can have provide more structure to the sort of you know what if these people don't fight what if they are building a city together and how does that go And, and i think a lot of that depends too on your the the people at your table right um depending on what the interests are of your actual players you can have games where the combat is a part of the story in a more meaningful way, right? It isn't just hitting a bunch of, you know, uh, goblins with a hammer. It's actually something that furthers the story. And I think you really have to have reciprocity between the DM and the players for that and between all the players. It's not something that you can just get with any group. So that is a difficult balance. And and I would agree with that. I I think in general, D&D isn't necessarily well designed on that front that the pretty much you're doing combat or story stuff unless you're doing a lot of kind of house ruling home brewing type stuff to to accommodate that type of desire yeah absolutely yeah i personally like a 50 50 split i feel like within D, adding the the role-playing stuff adds a lot of weight to the combat because it actually makes you care about mm-hmm. the outcome of this you're not just stat blocks hitting other stat blocks as you yeah. said so i think the the two of them <laughs> yeah feed into feed feed each other really well and I feel like D&D strikes that balance. And they have come a long way in 5th edition with, you know, 5th edition is obviously much more roleplay focused, right? And having systems like, you know, inspiration and Mm -hmm. things that reward players for accomplishing tasks in interesting ways, um, you know, fighting in interesting ways, saying, well, I'm going to you know, jump off the chandelier and then, you know, f- drop down on them like spawn or something and my cape is going to be flowing all around. My, <laughs> my horrible CGI cape is going to be flowing beautifully in the background. I'm sorry. Um, do you have a cape of billowing? Because otherwise that's not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, yeah, I mean, the, that there are ways to accommodate that, but I think there's still a long way for Dungeons and Dragons to go to make that a, a really robust uh, aspect of the game in my opinion yeah also kind of what you were saying too about how it the, it the narrative kind of builds up to the the fighting and vice versa yeah. i feel like i'm way more engaged in a fight if it's a character that if we're fighting an, an opponent that means something to us yeah whereas like in the early stages of a session which i feel like because we've restarted a couple of uh campaigns recently and we haven't really gotten to sort of the big like 
narrative arcs yet. We're yeah. still kind of doing a lot of the rudimentary, oh, our gang is getting to know each other stuff. Yeah. And it's those little fights and conflicts that don't really interest me as much, or it's harder for me to get for super sure. engaged in that. And so, yeah, if you are doing fights where you're like, this, this person, the man who like killed my family or yeah. something, then you're like, oh yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, everybody would rather be in Inigo Montoya than right. just some, ra- you know, tracking down the man who killed your father than some random person fighting a random bandit and you have to find a way to make it fun. Right? Exactly, because another lady has been like please take care of these bandits who stole my stuff and you're like okay (laughs) yeah it could have been me that stole your stuff i don't care about this bandit it's like no i'm gonna go join those bandits and then we're gonna steal the rest of your stuff (laughs) come on that's what you get for asking questions yeah you dumb lady what are you doing (laughs) now you're playing with power (laughs) this is why you don't talk to strangers (laughs) all right so what else do we have here? what other uh cool class options all right so for kevin you are going to get the barbarian ranger Dude, cool. cool. I love how like opposed those are. <laughs> <laughs> and then well, in some uh, senses, others they line up a lot because there's a lot of wilderness and involved. yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I, I have faith in you, Kevin. You've uh, made more from less. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then for myself, I will be taking the barbarian paladin. So cool. Yeah, I love least... that we get two barbarians in the party. Yeah, I think that'll actually <laughs> play up nicely. Um, because the, I mean, Barbarian Paladin, those two, I feel like I have more worries about than Barbarian Ranger because Barbarian, you have like this wild side and the Paladin is like, I have a strict code that I stick to and never waver from. Uh, and I feel like those are very conflicting. So, I mean, honestly, that's kind of why I like the Barbarian Paladins because they don't have a code. Like when I think of Barbarian Paladin, I think of like, I think of like an extremist religious zealot. I think of like Alex Jones or something. Somebody who just gets up on their soapbox and they are just shouting about how, you know, my obviously the sun god, Paylor, is the only god that anyone should follow. And anyone who doesn't is an infidel and we'll, we'll take you down like a, a crusader that is just untethered. Oh my goodness. That's intense. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I want. That's what I'm hoping you're going to bring to the table here. Spoiler like alert. It's not even a little what I'm going to bring to the table. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness oh my goodness um i okay for when we get to the part where we're actually saying these guys are all going to come together and be a party like the fact that two of them are half barbarian is going to be a lot oh totally <laughs> how do we deal with that yeah absolutely well i mean because we have i think that in in most groups that i've been involved in you know we we talked about the bard and the warlock are kind of the charisma overlap mm-hmm. um i think that would absolutely just tacitly fall on the bard warlock to be the person to kind of rein them in. I mean, that seems to me like sort of the default face of the party and how a bard warlock would deal with two barbarians that are constantly just bursting at the seams, like trying to get out and, and spread the spread the good word. Um, I think that would be a really monumentous task. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see what that <laughs> dynamic looks like as well here. So before we start creating, should we each, I think, talk about uh, some inspirations that we could draw for actual characters that exist out in the world and in fiction that kind of fit with these interesting combinations that we've received? I think we should. Does anybody want to start? (laughs) I can start. I've got a list going here. Oh, my gosh. This is going to be the whole episode, Um, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> well, we could yeah. we could kind of keep it. We can kind of rein it in. We don't have to talk for five hours, even though we totally yeah. could. You know what? You can tell which which topics we're really passionate about based on how long we 
prattle on about these. I mean, there are episodes where we're not done talking about our inspirations yet, and I look over at the timestamp, and we're like an hour and ten minutes in. Right. It's like, <laughs> ooh, we've actually started let's, creating, let's so. go to creation. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's let's see what you got here, Piper. Let's see if you can start us off on the right foot. I will. So I promise not to rattle, um, but when I was thinking first about a druid fighter, because I, I looked into, I, I don't know all of these classes and everything by heart, and so yeah. I always have to do a little bit of research myself. Um, but the things that were standing out to me about um, these combination of classes is that druids obviously very connected to nature um they're all about you know maintaining balance and not having one element outweigh the other Mm -hmm. uh and then also one thing that stood out to me a lot was this element um that they often can take animal forms and even sometimes it said in the thing that i was reading that some druids uh if they spend too much time in their animal form they may choose to become that forever and that might be their permanent thing or they may not choose it may accidentally right it might happen by accident um so this whole you know protection of nature and everything but then with the fighter element here we have someone who is well trained good with weapons and it was saying in the description that i saw that like in a king's army um most of the soldiers they're not fighters they just have the basic training they need to like do this job a fighter is someone who's like done a lot of training and dedicated themselves to this maybe even made a career out of it that kind of a thing um i feel like the difference is like you can put a gun in anybody's hand, right? But that doesn't make them John Wick. Right. Like anybody can just pull a trigger, but John Wick can do it with a level of expertise that's exactly. obviously beyond any normal person. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so um, when I was thinking about characters that kind of fall into this this category, um, so female characters in fiction really stood out to me because I have down here, I've got Poison Ivy. Um, who I think is yes. a great uh, botanical loving fighter, um, even though she kind of she doesn't really do a lot of fighting herself, but she creates these different creatures that do fighting for her. So yeah. I think that kind of falls in the line of that. I definitely saw her punch Batman once. So yeah. I think that qualifies her as a fighter. I think she can <laughs> fight when she's backed into a corner. Um, but so Poison Ivy was the first thing that came to mind. But then instantly when I started thinking about characters that uh, you know, fight for the sake of nature. It's hard to talk about that and not look at Hayao Miyazaki and like Princess Mononoke and Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Oh, of course, uh, yeah. Which are two very strong, also princesses who are dedicated to preserving nature, protecting it, and kind of maintaining that balance. You can check that one off your uh, bingo card here too, Jerry. I just was. About Miyazaki. I just yeah, was. Yay! <laughs> oh yeah. So I suppose for, for we talked about this off air before we started recording, but uh, uh, Jared was so wonderful and gracious and extra and uh we, we had joked a few episodes ago about making a bingo card for the show and jared actually went and did that yeah <laughs> and it's amazing it's so much fun i i don't think we've actually shared that on twitter yet but i'll share that along with this episode if but we sure will now yeah. to follow along with that uh <laughs> as jared is doing as we're recording here but yes yes miyazaki perfect yeah <laughs> and i i think that mononoke um she is that her name by the way her name is sen sen yeah and what does Princess Mononoke refer? I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Oh my gosh. I, I know. Heard. This is horrible. She, so she is, she is Princess, Princess Mononoke, yeah. but that's not her name. Her okay, name that's just her title. Sen. They just say like, nobody calls her that in the movie. Right. Not I even think Mononoke once. means like- Where did that come from? No, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's going to eat at me. I, okay, I remember- Well, that's remember why I wanted to ask, because I was like, I don't want to refer to her as that if that's not her name. <laughs> now, feel free to revoke my weeb card if I get this totally wrong, but okay. I'm pretty sure Mononoke means like- girl without a spirit or something or like wandering spirit it's something like that it's something about how she's like kind of out of place a little bit i remember looking that up once and being like oh that makes perfect sense but i do not remember (laughs) specifically well once we find out we will let you know yes (laughs) i know the japanese Um, name is mononoke hime which means 
Princess Mononoke. <laughs> See, I think that gives you your weeb card back regardless. So no worries. You're fine. Um, but no, I thought, um, so you said her name is Sen? 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 Is that what you San? said? I thought that was the girl from Spirited Away's name. I think you're right. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> we're, we're not big enough weebs to know this, you guys. Um, but she, I think she does way more fighting in combat um, than uh, Nausicaa does. But Nausicaa... I think her just the amount of like action that she takes to do this job of flying around on her little cruiser and and being part of all these conflicts that kind of falls into that fighter category. It is some. Yeah. Okay. Well. Good. Then yeah. we're right. There we go. <laughs> ha ha. And then Internet. in Spirited Away, I'm uh, pretty sure it's Sen. Yes. Yes. I think, I think you're right. That's why I got it mixed up. Right. Oh my gosh, man. Yeah. That put that on the uh, on the bigo thing is when Sam earns or loses his weeb card. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jared, you said that the um, that we can add more uh, squares yes. to the the template, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be doing that. I think. Nice. But I, okay, I think those are really good examples. So when when I heard Druid Fighter, I was like, I hope Piper makes an eco terrorist. I hope Piper just makes like <laughs> like Jane Goodall with a gun. Is, is what I, was picturing. I imagined. <laughs> Just Jane Goodall with like a big bandolier and two like six shooters. Like J- Jane Goodall mixed with Calamity Jane or something. I'll just... Calamity Jane Goodall. Oh my God. Wow, Sam. Way to steal my thunder. <laughs> she was working up no, to I... it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm See, sorry. I was going to build off of your concept just then and say, I'll just make a tree with legs that can walk around, but all of its branches are machine guns. That's... <laughs> so there you go. That's one thing too. Perfect. Perfect. My favorite end. Uh... <laughs> The gun end. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, my last thing I'll say before I pass the torch of inspiration is that I was like, I have to think of a dude who fights for nature because I was like, I, yeah. all of these are ladies. And so um, Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing is a guy mm. who protects his swamp and oh, uses his big swampy fists to punch people <laughs> away from his his fish and his fist. friends. Anytime he punches, you hear like a like, yeah. the, like a muddy, nasty sound. Oh, yeah. If you mess with Swamp Thing, you're going to get messed up. <laughs> That's great flavor uh, there. And anytime you punch something that you can describe the horrifying sound and smell that his fist makes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> add that onto your character sheet. I think. The words- Stop telling him to add things to the character sheet. <laughs> no, the character sheet, not the bingo. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, no, too much. Yeah. Uh, I love those, Piper. I think those are great examples. Well, thank you. <laughs> Who else has some inspiration? to draw from. Kevin or Jared, what do you guys got something in the, in the barrel for us? So I got uh, two things here for Barbarian Ranger. Really, really opposite, so just stick with me here. John Rambo okay. and Princess <laughs> Merida from Pixar's Brave. The red-headed nice. those are, girl. Those are both perfect. Literally yeah, the same right? characters. <laughs> Doi. You know how Rambo like doesn't want to get married? And <laughs> well, Rambo never got married as far as I know. Yeah. So Because every time there was a tournament for his hand, he was like, step back. I'm my own husband. <laughs> They're like, Will you marry me? And he goes, No, you drew first blood. <laughs> Pulls out his machine gun. So Rambo is probably pretty obvious, especially if you just kind of take him at the face value sort of cultural character that he is. Um, For sure. The the barbarian about the anger and the rage. The ranger part, I would say, comes in as he's trained in like special ops and he was a Vietnam vet who got put far behind enemy lines and they're surviving the jungle. and. Well, and he uses a bow with exploding arrows. Right. What's more ranger-like than that? Right. Um, in terms of Princess Merida from Brave, it's she's also very good with a bow and is into the wild and nature and stuff like that. But she has this real anger and feistiness to her, 
that I thought fit well Catch with a barbarian without being ridiculous over the top. Thought it was kind of yeah. a neat, different little take. One of the scenes that I love in that movie is after she's had that fight with her mom and then Queen, uh, oh, I know the Queen's name. Um, I'll think of it later. Anyway, her mom goes to see her and she like opens the door to her bedroom and there's Merida just like hacking away at her bedpost with a sword. <laughs> she's like an angry teen with a weapon. <laughs> if that's not a barbarian uh, reaction to getting into a spat with your mom, I don't know what is. <laughs> Queen Eleanor, Eleanor that's her name. Queen Eleanor, that's yes. it. That's okay, it. Disney rights like remain. I also, I, I want to point out, I think, to Pixar's credit, um, they have a really, really awesome demonstration. In it. So there, there's the scene where she goes to the tournament where everybody's like shooting arrows to try and win her hand or whatever. And she's like, no, boys, I'm the best archer of all time. And they show the really cool slow-mo scene of the arrow leaving her bow. And mm-hmm. they actually show the archer's paradox, which is where an arrow doesn't fly straight. It wobbles and wavers through the air. And I think that's such a cool detail that they included yeah. uh, in that movie. Mm-hmm. That made me really, really happy. As as a hobbyist archer myself, I was really <laughs> glad to have seen that um, represented accurately. So You guys can't see it, but here in the studio, Sam is pushing up his glasses and being like, mm, I shoot those arrows. <laughs> so what makes that a paradox? You caught my interest. Not to completely derail this, but... Well, so the idea is that you you think that an arrow goes straight, right? But it doesn't. It follows kind of a wobbly, weird curve. It mm. it ultimately like averages out to being straight. But the, the paradox is that it's basically impossible to fire an arrow straight, no matter what you're firing the arrow out of. The way that energy travels through it, it, it travels like up and down the arrow and makes it wiggle in a weird way. So you can never actually fire an arrow and have it be perfectly straight. You actually want a little bit of flexibility in your arrow instead of like perfectly rigid you know if you had an right. arrow made of steel or something like that it would be much less effective and accurate than an arrow made of bamboo or like you know fiberglass mm. which is what most modern arrows are made of now because they can bend and they can adapt to that that sort of distribution of energy more appropriately so there you go hmm. interesting okay yeah i feel like <laughs> i'm make sure to factor that into the character somehow <laughs> I'm, I'm not promising yeah. that don't hold me to that <laughs> I mean, maybe that's why, you know, your character can be the best archer of all time is because they can use their their ranger magic to make their arrow literally fly straight, like to, to not bend or <laughs> something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Or their anger <laughs> envelops it. They pull back the bow so hard. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> their their anger imbues the arrow with like a it's like a molten heat, so it it's even like a, a strong metal arrow has uh, less rigidity because it's like super hot. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Uh, okay, Jared, do you want to share your uh, inspirations here? Sure. I only have one um, because I found Barbarian Paladin to be very difficult. Um, oh yeah, but still really cool. I just think well, it's... we already. Yeah, go ahead. We already gave you Alex Jones. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So mine is Alex Jones. Uh, <laughs> just Alex Jones. Um, no. So um, there is a manga slash anime called Berserk that I don't know if you, anybody oh, yeah. here is familiar with. Um, long story short, uh, there is this guy who's basically like got the most edgy backstory possible where he's like born from a corpse and he's found by some woman who her husband (laughs) is in a mercenary band. So he takes up this child and teaches him to fight and only to fight. Uh, And he has this just extremely 
angry personality. Like every time in any of the uh, source material that he is even discussed, the main character being named Guts, um, he yeah. is, is literally just called like, oh, he's brash, he's angry, he's hot-headed, whatever it might be. Um, so he very easily fits the barbarian stereotype where like he gets a lot of his his gusto uh just from the fact that he is a hothead who just swings a big ass sword um that's way too big for any sane person to handle uh but he does it masterfully because this is what he does this is him um yeah now sometimes he does it with only one arm yeah well i think later on in the series it's not really like literally the first episode has him with one arm um and a sword the size of like a small city so (laughs) oh my gosh oh my god (laughs) absolutely amazing i i love it um so yeah uh where the paladin part comes in is a lot of what he struggles with is he starts off with just this angry personality and everyone's like, why do you fight? And he's like, cause I don't know. I'm super good at it, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, and his big character change is figuring out why he fights. What is it that drives him? And I think that really brings in the paladin aspects because that's what a paladin is. It's somebody who is channeling yeah. All of this, they they turn away from the hate and the anger, um, and they find like what really drives them as a human being um, to to fight and to do whatever. Um, and maybe that is like still kind of in that anger sphere of like a vengeance paladin. Um, but still, I think that it's a a very big like character building moment, and that's always what I look for in multi classes. Is like how can we like just build on this character who's already very well established, but they have like a big you know change in their personality. Cool. Yeah, and well, and I love that, and I think that's a great insight to latch on to the the purpose, right? That that a paladin has to have like a driving motivation behind them more so than any other class, really. That something has to be very dear to them. Um, and it, maybe that is that they're searching for a purpose. Maybe they want that purpose, but I think that's a really, really great fit for that. Um, I like that a lot. That's a, that's a really great choice. Um, also kind of tying that into a frequently visited topic on this show, um, Hidetaki Miyazaki, the director and, and like auteur powerhouse behind the Dark Souls series is a huge fan of Berserk. And there's a lot of stuff in Dark Souls that is inspired very heavily by Berserk. Actually, Bloodborne, uh, even a little bit more so. Um, cool. the, uh, the DLC boss, uh, uh, Ludwig, um, is basically this big mutated horse faced man who <laughs> is essentially lifted like, you know, just straight up from the uh, the Berserk manga. Uh, there's there's a lot of really cool crossover in there. Um, I I think uh, I, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. I, I, it's weird that we've never talked about Berserk on this show actually because there's so much crossover there with something that is very near and dear to our hearts. Well, if it makes uh, you feel better, um, I actually only started watching it yesterday and I powered through 15 episodes <laughs> so that I could get this uh, this well thought out opinion. <laughs> Nice. Well done. Honestly, I find it impressive that you were able to go through 15 episodes in such a short time because it's a grim uh, show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's harrowing. Yeah. It's, it's not 
fun <laughs> at all. Average Tuesday night for Jared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Grim. It's what's for dinner. Exactly. Uh, so uh, I have a couple of ideas here. Well, I, I have one like big idea mm-hmm. um, and then a few kind of like smaller little kind of side ideas. But um, I actually want to talk about a real person that I think is a really cool sort of template that we can use for a bard warlock character. And that is the real life blues musician, musician, Robert Johnson. Hmm. Um, Robert Johnson was uh, a a influential American blues singer and songwriter. Um, He was active in the late thirties and has been recognized by like Bob Dylan, um, Eric Clapton, I think called him the most important blues singer of all time. And there's not actually a lot that's known about his life. And because of that, um, there was a lot of sort of legend about him. And he is the person that the idea of a person selling their soul to the devil to get good at the guitar comes from. Um, so I'll, I'll just read a quick excerpt from the, the Wikipedia page here. Uh, Robert Leroy Johnson, uh, born May 8th, 1911, uh, died, uh, August 16th, 1938. So short life was an American blues singer, songwriter, musician. His landmark recordings in 36 and 37 display a combination of singing, guitar skills, and songwriting talent that has influenced later generations of musicians. Johnson's poorly documented life and death have given rise to much legend. The one most closely associated with his life is that he sold his soul to the devil at a local crossroads to achieve musical success. He is now recognized as a master of the blues and in particular the Delta blues style. And then there's a really cool picture of him just sitting with a guitar in like a, you know, your classic like blues suit and hat uh, in front of this, you know, on this like kind of grainy, uh, grainy kind of photo, grainy background here. Um, Very, very cool. There are only two actual photos of him that exist. Oh, wow. And he's the most influential, you know, one of the most influential blues musicians of all time. Um, I think that's so cool. I think that was sort of an automatic how could you possibly combine bard and warlock better? Right. 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 I mean, that's absolutely say, I wanna, perfect. Yeah. It's, it's perfect to, to say, I want to be the best musician of all time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sell my soul to the devil. And I also think the aspect of it, that he wasn't really famous in life. It was only after he died that people were like, Oh my God, this guy can play. Like he's incredible. Um, Maybe that's part of the whole monkey paw thing. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you will have the fame and fortune, but only once I have your soul. Exactly. That's sort of the curse is that the, the patron that he sells his soul to kind of gets all the credit and all of the all of the sort of accolades in life and he only in death will actually be recognized for all of that i think that's so cool um and you know maybe there could be an interesting sort of side uh, kind of contingency there that you know maybe he he becomes so famous and he dies in in combat or something somewhere maybe he wasn't like an incredible fighter but after he dies his spirit was like so strong and his patron wanted him to keep going out and playing that he continues to play as a ghost and he's just sort of he haunts all of these old venues like some you know so many innkeepers would say you know in the in the coldest evenings of winter we can still hear his his lute playing in in the distance like there there would be legends of places where his spirit would show up and play maybe that's fine but um, i'm not i'm not letting a ghost into my party (laughs) (laughs) so that better all be that all better be in the epilogue because i'm gonna get real (laughs) yeah that's that's like the the part two of all this i suppose we'll keep it a little more simple here but i i like the idea that he's just sort of a guy who you know he doesn't have two cents to rub together and he's the most incredible musician ever, but he just can't really catch a break. And so he he gets this, he makes a pact with this devil to be like, I want to be so good that I can actually be recognized. So he's already like pretty great, but he turns him into literally the best musician in the world. And 
you know, how he kind of deals with that, how he balances like his, his skills with the debt that he now has. Um, I think that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in, in addition to that, I just wanted to mention The Devil Went Down to Georgia, the song. Like, Because it's an incredible song. Yeah, like I, I could see him constantly sort of striving with his patron being like, hey, look, can I like play myself out of this uh, out of this pact that we've made? Can I, you know, do a cool little song if I can beat you at, at guitar or something like that? Can I have my soul back? Um, <laughs> and that would maybe be something that he kind of brings up, you know, at their at their quarterly meeting or something <laughs> like that every, every once in a while. <laughs> It's like, all right, how much money did you make tonight? Give me most of it. Exactly, exactly. How much is a soul worth, right? When can I buy my soul back? Uh, I think that that seems fun. So sweet. You yeah. Got another one. We've we've. That's actually all that I really had. I wanted awesome. to kind of keep it simple here. So nice. Uh, we've got a a ragtag group here. Uh, well, of inspirations, of, but of we have to make our own. Exactly. Well, I mean, based on. Yes, Piper. What, what we've talked about so far. Uh, <laughs> let's dole out some actual prompts here. Let's do Start it. Really getting into creating in earnest here on on our own. Yeah, let's us. let's do yeah. it. Okay, uh, so guests get to go first. Yes, yeah, of no. course. Uh, Jared or Kevin? Uh, who would like the first prompt? Kevin loves. Going I think first. Jared would. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I could I could uh, own up to that. I'll Kevin's the adult of our friendship. all right so kevin um your word is parallel parallel and so i need to come up with a barbarian ranger character that incorporates the word parallel exactly Mm, which i think is a word that you could really do a lot with that you could take that all kinds of different directions Mm -hmm. they're secretly a mathematician they love parallelograms (laughs) and parallel lines See, I always think of like a parallel universe. And so like maybe there's oh. some kind of a, a duplicate or a double of something or there's a mirror effect in what, some what element. What about this? Maybe your character is like a fusion between two parallel beings. Maybe there was a being in one universe that's a barbarian and a being in another that's a ranger. And through some weird confluence of the spheres, they were combined into one one person. I mean, by definition of what your combination is it is rather yeah. differing so that kind of falls in pretty well already right. just helping you lay the lay yeah. the foundations here no, I, yeah i think i got seeds i think i got something what what you got what you got so a character who lives parallel lives they are in a tribe and they oh. are barbarian and they're very territorial um they, they fight with their anger and you know, all, all the typical stuff you see in dungeons and dragons barbarians yeah but they feel a soft spot for various other people that make their way into their territory where their tribe just wants to defend it and kill anybody who can drive off anybody who enters their territory or their forests or you know wherever that may be this this person feels that that's not right they feel a sense to guide them through it and so they will actually secretly break off from the tribe and go and meet you know people who are ventured into the territory to guide them through mm-hmm. it and help them survive that ordeal and avoid their tribe so in that sense the ranger aspect mm-hmm. comes in of that sort of survival survival aspects um a wilderness guide that sort of thing i like that that's cool it's so like a, a secret less. identity yep. yeah yeah and, and a barbarian that's forced to be a bit of a diplomat at times to actually right. like deal with people and, and work with others. That's pretty interesting. That's very cool. I, I could see that being a really fun kind of nuclear element to have in the party, like having a, a barbarian, a, you know, before maybe before you join the party, the barbarian is kind of like the face of of his tribe or his organization or whatever. And how, you know, one little thing could set him off, like things could just go so awry 
uh, when when dealing with people from other groups or other places or other tribes or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, what have you thought about what race um, you want your person to be? I haven't, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just picturing human. I, I, that's always yeah, okay. my default, though. It's a little dull, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, Piper always roasts me for going human with things, but yeah, I, I think the I thing that's fun about humans is the versatility of them, right? right. I, I think it's cool that a human, the whole point of them is that they're adaptable and they can do anything. And like, you know, obviously we're playing a game where anybody can be anything. Like, it's silly to say that only humans can be anything, but I, I think that's an interesting sort of trait that, um, you know, kind of built into the, the lore of D&D, oh. humans literally can fill any role and that's sort of fun i think um yeah. and I, I find that sometimes i can relate to a human i if i'm trying to do a voice and i'm trying to role play a character and act and stuff if i have a really complicated concept for their class or their history or whatever sometimes it's easier just to say i'm just going to be a human so i don't have to worry about their you know other other stuff <laughs> attached to this see right. for me i'm like i i am a human so why would i want to play one in a game where you can literally be anything else yeah, i think that's, <laughs> that's totally fair me. that's completely <laughs> valid do we have proof of that though do we know piper's human <laughs> that's a good point well, actually we i don't. if i told you i'd have to hunt you down and kill you though so <laughs> I, I want you guys to be alive and i i want to keep my cover totally here, checks so. out yeah, that's, that's a right. normal I, human thing oh yeah it is and normal that, human thing. I, I sent a, a sample of her DNA into 23andMe. I'll find out soon enough. I'll, I'll let you guys know when I hear back from them. <laughs> That's why I'm intercepting all of her mail. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> to build up what you were saying about how humans could kind of fit any role, that would actually work really well, though, with this character because they have yeah. to kind of blend in both with the their tribe and playing up yeah i'm angry there's people coming to our land let's go drive them off and then also being able to shift gears completely when they get away from the tribe and playing the diplomat and all that totally i'm i'm picturing so like gary gygax is like humans can fill any role and you're like hold my beer (laughs) 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 sweet okay i like that a lot that's good um and I think even it could possibly lead into how your character meets our characters if their whole thing is that they oh, yeah. are the guide to outsiders. Maybe that's right. how we kind of all come together. We wanted to go on a safari. We decided right. it was like a fun work outing. We thought it'd be cool to a hire a, a, a and safari I just guide. Love you guys so much. Just abandon the tribe and join. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you know what? Screw my family. Right. <laughs> You're my family now. Well, I could see something along totally. the lines of like, uh, this is the one time that your your tribe finds out about these things. You know, they like somebody followed yes. you along and during mm-hmm. that course, they see you speaking with outsiders and leading them through when normally you're supposed to do, you know, the the usual stuff where you tie them up, bring them over and you beat them until they're dead. Uh, normal barbarian. <laughs> the classic barbarian right. stuff. But instead, this time, this time, you know, you get caught and uh, the only way to, you know, save your life really is to run off and you just happen to be with this group and you know, it's like, Oh, okay. I guess we're friends now. Yeah. Yeah. I I also think there's something kind of interesting about the idea of like, maybe the, I mean, we haven't established really who the rest of us are yet, but Mm -hmm. I think there's something kind of neat about maybe if the three of us were in a party already and we had to go through this territory and we needed a guide and we hired whatever your name is going to be <laughs> um, to, you know, to, to guide us through it. And then we were like, this guy's Thomas, you said? Yes, Thomas. Thomas. Cool. I like Thomas. that. Thomas. We Thomas hired the Thomas barbarian. To, <laughs> to guide us through. <laughs> My name is Thomas. 
<laughs> Thomas the Barb Engine. Friends um, call me Tommy. <laughs> like that. <laughs> normal barbarian yeah, stuff. They, but normal, normal barbarian stuff. But so the, the idea that like we're sort of a group and we hire you as a guide and we're like, this guy has some chops. We should see if he wants to come with. And just coincidentally, your tribe is like, why are you not torturing these people? <laughs> You're kind of like on the outs with them a little bit. Uh, right. That that might make kind of the perfect groundwork for you to leave and join an adventuring party. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, so I've got another word for the uh, for you guys. Um, yeah. Cause Kevin went first. So this is Jared's word. Yes. Your word is juvenile. Ooh, juvenile. Um, mm-hmm. Like a delinquent. Right, right. <laughs> and I mean, I I almost think that that We're fits almost young. too well with a barbarian, right? Like I mean, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. definitely. Anytime, and I, I still want to stick to that uh, that idea of um, you know the the person who is really born into fighting, and I mean, what yeah. pushes you into being a juvenile delinquent uh, more than being born into a life of just yeah, you just fight and you kill for sure, um, right? You you go into a rage. It's not a phase, mom. Right. <laughs> it's gonna last forever. It's not gonna last until my next long rest. Or it's gonna last forever. Right, right. And so, I mean, that's. I'm I'm trying to think of anything more. I mean, it's like all laid out for me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they did all the work for you. Juvenile. Well, let's what start about thinking, something yeah, about I mean, immaturity? Young. Barbarian, young barbarian mm-hmm. coming to age as a paladin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or they could be involved with juveniles. Like maybe they're a camp counselor or a, uh, <laughs> maybe they work at a, um, a facility that holds juvenile delinquents okay. and it's their job to keep them in no, line. You, no, you know what you are? You're so... You're a youth. You're a youth minister. Yeah, a youth you're, pastor. You're like a youth group leader. That's, you're that's a, a barbarian paladin. That's a bard cleric, and we will talk about that later. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. But, but no, okay. Actually, that is giving me something. Just this person is like the the leader of some juveniles, um, where the only path cool. that they've ever really mm. known is just that they they grew up uh, with a really messed up home life i mean probably like usual stuff no no parents we're we're killing the parents immediately um nice but i'm thinking get of, him out of here who needs him parents immediately. <laughs> i'm thinking of like the um the the manga akira or movie i'm sure everybody has oh knows yeah the movie mm-hmm. akira um but the yeah. the manga itself is like absolutely huge and uh really dives into this idea of like these kids who were born in like a a total dystopia and i mean their parents aren't even brought up once because it doesn't matter they just get into all of the worst shit possible um but what does it take to Mm -hmm. to get past that you know like what or even Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say we could stay in it we could go out of it but let's say they go out of it you know they they kind of break away from that path of just being a dick to be a dick uh, <laughs> <laughs> so is that the, is that the paladin side or the barbarian yeah, this side? Yeah, the paladin side. The paladin side is them finding out like what what means something to them, you know, more so than just you know mm-hmm. being a a juvenile uh, jerk is actually like fighting for yeah. something that that has meaning. Um, and I think finding that meaning is going to be pretty important here. Yeah. Oh, totally. So, well, while you were talking about leading a bunch of like ratty old kids around, all I can think of <laughs> is two wonderful characters that I adore. One, P. 
Peter Pan, the boy who never grows up, to the artful Dodger uh, who leads around all the little street rats. Piper, literally, as soon as he he started talking about this, and you were like, I started frank, dancing. I'm like, oh my god, like, oh my god. Piper's going to talk about Oliver and Company. <laughs> well, to talk about. Are you trying to say Peter Pan's a barbarian? Uh, well, it depends on how you read the novel. Maybe. Some people I, think okay. he's rather vicious and savage. <laughs> yeah, I've always viewed Peter Pan as kind of a ranger. I think that's probably appropriate, or maybe a rogue. He's a little. I bad think he's or, a rogue, yeah, because yeah. he's he just so fly. Yeah, he's so crazy and uh, unpredictable. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. I, what I'm getting from you, Jared, is that we're all barbarians until we grow up and turn into paladins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. But I mean, I think there's a difference. You know, a lot of times people will turn yeah. away from that uh, that inner, I guess, rambunctiousness. Uh, but this is somebody who, who yeah. fully understands that, like, no, there is some benefit to the chaotic parts of these, you know, this this ability to just lose my shit when it's convenient. <laughs> nice. So, you know what I'm... Okay, so this, this makes me think of the... Uh, my secret cap is that I'm always angry. You know, like you're you're the Hulk after you've learned to control your rage. Right. You're no longer a barbarian that just randomly flies off the handle. You've ascended to another level of being able to kind of harness this this rage and this unbridled chaotic strength in a way that other barbarians can't really. Right. So you're sort of this, you're a little more put together, you're a little more refined, but if you need to, you know, you can flex your way out of your little your little duble that you wear to parties oh and my start punching. Right. You guys are starting to describe my favorite character trope, yes. <laughs> which is the the brutish gentleman. Of course. <laughs> AKA, hey, you can check off another bingo card here, the Alex Louise Armstrong. There we go. Oh, <laughs> yeah, sure. There you are. <laughs> um, so Jared, have you thought about uh, what race your character will be? Also, uh, what gender or name mm-hmm. they might have? I'm thinking that <laughs> A, um, this is going to be off for a barbarian, so I think that's good, but like an elf, probably. The, oh, I like the, that. The, cool. the type who is really expected to be uh, refined and the, the gentleman, um, but uh, goes out of their way to you know get involved with these this ragtag group um, and very quickly yeah. rises uh, to be the leader of them through their natural charisma. Uh, and so they're the type who they, they know how to tell their group of people to like go in and fight, but they're right behind them. You know, they're not sitting in the back, just pulling the strings. They're right up in the shit, uh, swinging just as hard. I really like that. That's amazing. You're, you're Maximus Decimus Meridius from Gladiator. You're like the incredible leader, but you're also like, I will be on the front lines with you fighting. I don't care. Right. I also love the idea of that, you know, we kind of talked about how crazy to have a barbarian as the face of a party, but I like the idea that you're also a barbarian that's kind of harnessed that, na- you've controlled that nature of yourself, so you can be the face and not worry that somebody's going to offend you and you're going to lose your mind. Right, right. <laughs> Right. It's more of like also if we're when I need to to go crazy, it's there. You know, like I can tap into that inner yeah. rage, but I'm gonna hold off because you know I've I've I know my way around this. For I sure. like it. I like it. I okay. So where with the last one, we kind of talked about how they might come into the party. I feel like since your character already has all this experience of leading a group, I can see them kind of taking on potentially the leadership role in our little party yeah. as well. Yeah. Maybe you're. Maybe mm-hmm. you're specifically going out to like recruit people. Maybe you have. You know. Maybe you're. You're. A, you run into a stretch of bad luck, and you kind of you lose some of your followers or some of I your lose all of clan or your brutal. Yeah. You lose them We're all. Killing right? My parents, so you say I'm killing my friends. <laughs> 
you so you've got to rebuild right right <laughs> like you've, you've got to build a new team so you're kind of going from town to town tavern to tavern looking for exceptional individuals uh 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 samuel jackson agent of shield style uh, and I'm, I think that's kind of interesting. And bringing or keeping the elf aspects, totally going to have it be where he's like of of noble blood by some means, and he totally. just completely throws that away. And you know what I love about it too is that if you're if you're going out and looking for people who are like different, you know, that stand out from the crowd, it makes total sense that we're talking about weird unorthodox multi-class characters that you would identify all the people that you're like i see you have a very unique and singular like skill set mm-hmm. here you know i haven't seen another bard warlock or another druid fighter or another barbarian ranger out in the wild before like clearly you have something that no one else right. can offer i think that makes total sense if we're talking about why this team would come together because somebody's trying to find all the misfits and bring them into one into one sort of team like you have so much experience doing absolutely yeah so yeah. i like it i like it i'm sick <laughs> we, have, we have an origin story <laughs> <laughs> okay so sam do you want the next prompt i would Should love the next start prompt. developing your uh, little friend please please lay it on me okay well here you go i'm pulling it up all right now so i, I went to a different page so i could google something real quick oh okay <laughs> so let's say how I, it's okay. I'm going to cut all this out. It's yeah, fine. cut this part out. <laughs> yeah, every time Kevin says that, he doesn't cut it out, and he makes me look like an idiot. <laughs> so <laughs> That's part of our charm. <laughs> yeah, sometimes when I say I'm going to cut something out, I actually just duplicate it and put it in the show twice. And so. he turns up the volume <laughs> and really turn, loud. Yeah, exactly. I actually mute everything in the episode except for that one part. Well, now I have to leave this in because we had this little aside. Oh, God. Okay. Sam, are you ready for your word? <laughs> yes. Your word is nose okay and uh it's spelled as if the nose on your face (laughs) (laughs) interesting Mm -hmm. okay so So maybe you are an elephant person (laughs) actually i do like that i actually love the idea of playing a loxodon uh, character that would be really really neat i was sort of thinking like cut off your nose to spite your face sort of thing that like maybe part of the pact that i made with this so maybe i was this you know is this already a pretty accomplished musician but I made a pact with this devil or demon or whatever to become the greatest in the world. And they said, you know, you have to pay something more than just your soul. You're already pretty good and your soul is worth more than than what I can give you. Disfigure yourself. We, exactly. We have to disfigure you. We have to like Oof. cut off part of your face is like what I was kind of imagining. Dang. But I actually sort of like the idea of playing an elephant man. Because um, <laughs> then you could play your trunk like a exactly. trumpet. Exactly. I could play my trunk like a trumpet. I could, I could trunk trumpet while I play like a little washboard down my, below oh with, one, with one little pachyderm paw. <laughs> This know. is like it's the a total do. flip of Piper makes it dark, where it's just yeah, I know, yeah, right? Exactly. It totally is. Yeah. <laughs> Sam's like, what if I yeah. disfigure my face? Yeah, absolutely. Like, does that sound and like Piper's fun? like Ooh, Actually, elephant trumpet? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a little parade <laughs> for sure. Actually, you know what I'm thinking now is I think it makes the the two things that make the most sense. I'm going with the elephant thing because I love that. Sweet. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely going with the elephant thing. Awesome. I think that maybe the disfigurement is like a cooler, edgier backstory for a warlock, but the elephant one is so fun. <laughs> and and I think maybe to kind of guard myself against being surrounded by big, insane, hulking barbarians, mm. I want to be a big guy too. <laughs> you know? Sweet. Um, I, I want to be a big elephant, and I, I think what is most appropriate in terms of instruments for an elephant to play, obviously a trumpet, um, 
or maybe a trombone, who knows? A sound that an elephant nose makes, but also a percussionist. I think they would have to be like a big, like booming timpani drum like oh, when, they, cool. when they walk. So. Could he just like carry that big drum on his back? Yeah, and maybe. then maybe it doubles as a shield. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's a shield drum. It's it's just a shield with like hide like stretched over it that they can Ooh. they can bang on it with their. Oh, that's really cool. I like that a lot. Well, you're welcome. Yeah. And if their <laughs> drum is being used as a shield, they can just stomp their feet like stomp style mm-hmm. and uh, still have the music going. I like it. Sounds pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for both of the two characters we've established so far, we've kind of touched on their backstories and how maybe they yeah. joined the party. Yeah. Where does, I mean, you've already said that you want to go with this whole sold your soul to be a good musician thing, yes. but where did you come from? Like what's sort of your journey? So I, I wonder if do we think it would be interesting if maybe I, I want to have a tragic backstory. Nobody really has like a sad backstory yet. Everybody's Ooh. sort of just kind of out there. Yeah. Right? I mean, I guess your uh, Jared, your parents are murdered or they're whatever. So they're yeah, so everyone's dead. Everyone's parents are yeah. dead. That's not even sad. That's just like life. Exactly. Like if we're talking about an adventuring party, like how, how, okay, audience, how many of your adventurers have parents? Okay. So <laughs> like Adams, I actually, tell us how many have parents okay, that's still. another thing to check off the bingo. Um, but I, I specifically <laughs> always make my parents in, or I'm sorry, I always make characters with alive parents, like just to get around that. Always, every time. Nice. Interesting. Okay. Good for you. Good so for you. This is cool. actually really They're like, cool. no, I come from a very... Right. <laughs> this is unique for <laughs> totally you. Totally. Okay. Yeah, it's like family. I come from a very supportive family. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out here slaughtering people, but my mom sent me a sweater last week in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Well, okay. So what, I guess what I was picturing, though, is maybe... You know, maybe Loxodon are, I think they should be supremely uncommon, right? Like, I don't think it's the kind of thing where you'd walk into any bar and see a giant elephant person, you know, just hanging out like it's, you know, not not a big deal. Um, I think maybe Loxodon are viewed as sort of like an oddity and they're, they're exotic and rare and kind of sought after as they're kind of viewed as like a commodity a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe this is a Loxodon that was like with a traveling circus. They were like captured as a child or something and they don't know where their family is. And that's their goal is that the reason they want to become the greatest musician of all time is so that they can stand up on a stage and be visible and have maybe their parents recognize them and find hmm. them. Oh my God, you're describing the plot of August Rush. <laughs> oh my God, I am describing <laughs> the plot of August Rush. <laughs> Um, in which a little orphan goes to play his song and then his parents find him. Yeah, middling quality Robin Williams film where Robin Williams is a creepy homeless man who manipulates a small musician child. Oh my God, uh, who Who grows up to be the good doctor. Yeah, so that's my story. Um, It also also sounds like Joe Dirt. (laughs) apparently i don't have any unique ideas at all no i'm sorry it just makes me so happy that that's connected no i i think that's great if you want to double up on the nose part of it uh you could have the loxodon are they're hunted down specifically for their noses their trunks not their not their ivory not their tusks the trunks (laughs) trunks? (laughs) yes because there's other ivory in the D D world but these big long trunks well, you know what it is? They're probably sought after by other bards to make ah, the, you can you make go. the best trumpets out of a loxodon uh, trunk. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And then you Ooh. sold your soul for the devil to equal parts, be a great musician, and to gain power to defend yourself and your people. I like that. Love I it. like that. That I'm kind of like a champion of, of rising up and defeating the system that kind of subjugates loxodon people but also i just want to find my family like i don't know where they are i was captured when i was very young i also i think that i want to play a lady loxodon cool um i 
I think her name should be Ellie. Aww. Like an elephant. Cute. Uh, and I don't care how lazy that is. <laughs> name. No, it's Primarily cute. the reason I want to play a lady is so that I can just name her Ellie and be done with the naming part. I actually love that because anyway, I, yeah. I would automatically refer to you as an Ellie because For that's sure. what I call all elephants because they're cute. I think visually, I think I have big, beautiful eyelashes. Nice. That's something that I love about elephants. They have like huge eyelashes. Yeah. It's super cool. Uh-huh. Um, I think probably, I think I... I think I do have talking about the the cut off your nose to spite your face thing. Maybe I do have a lot of scarring from my time in the traveling circus. If you know they would, they didn't treat us well, right? If we didn't perform well, they'd hit us with a hit us with a whip. They'd do whatever. They'd they'd shock us or they'd hit us with a chair or whatever. They'd make us do things that were dangerous. Oh yeah. Um, so there's a lot of like scarring, and I have kind of a dark past in that way. Um, but I think that maybe I'm, I'm someone who was once viewed as like very beautiful, but that's something that has been totally stripped away from me. I'm, I'm like scarred and, and kind of beaten down a little bit. And so there's sort of a parallel to me trying to rise to glory that I'm sort of trying to take back this, like I was once viewed as very beautiful and very desirable. And I want to, I want to have that again. So there's sort of a personal uh, kind of connection to that as well like I want to be like sought after and desired again because of my fame because I don't feel I can have that with my beauty right. mm-hmm. and maybe the you know the climax of this arc would be I would meet a a, a sweet uh, elephant uh, companion who would say you're beautiful anyway regardless Aww. of your your scarring you don't need to be famous to be beautiful to me yay whatever. and then you also find your parents on the same and day on <laughs> the same day yeah, yeah. <laughs> right as this this other elephant is proposing to me they're like by the way I invited your parents I hope you don't mind and you're and like mom <laughs> it's a big happy elephant absolutely uh, wedding oh my god yeah cute. so when you approach us to, to when you approach me to be like come join my team i'm like yes i i will go anywhere that i can just run into people if we're traveling around we're more likely to find right. other loxodon and i can maybe meet my parents and i think a, a big part of it, it is when you're coming from a circus background i mean the, the circus is gonna fuck you up like there's no oh yeah like, of course that just alone <laughs> makes a dark backstory that you can just keep pulling from when pd barnum gets involved it's not a good time <laughs> Exactly. Uh, if uh, the greatest showman has taught us anything, it is that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, okay, so I we're we're at a good place where we've kind of established who all of us are. I, I don't know. have anything. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I I'm sorry. So oh mean. Oh my god, Sam. If you're playing an elephant, you better work on your memory. Ooh. That's a really good point. Oh. I was going to cut this, but that was a good burn, so I'm going to leave it in. Good. Um. So my word that I have randomly generated <laughs> is proud um Ooh. so i've been doing some brainstorming uh because i've also been doodling uh while we've been talking because we, it we've helps all me been focus brainstorming, piper that's how the show works i know <laughs> oh my god wow um you got your so word, but really? no uh uh, <laughs> that's not fair that's not how this works no no I generated it just now what I mean is I've been doodling um, and just kind of thinking about my druid fighter class and what that could possibly be and so the word that yeah. I got just now is proud and that kind of works pretty well with the kind of story I've been formulating in my mind is that um, so I was thinking because it's all about for the druid is you know the protector of the forest but how do you have this fighter element involved in it and so I was thinking that maybe um, the community that my person comes from, they come from this rather dense magical forest uh, place where there are a lot of fey creatures that kind of live here mm-hmm. in this, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, 
this setting that I'm just describing. Um, so, but I think um, uh, there needs to be uh, this kind of like enchanted forest sort of setting. Um, it doesn't have a lot of uh, outside traffic that comes through it. It's sort of protected. It's, it's isolated. It's yeah. right. And one of the reasons why it's been so protected for so long is that I think there always needs to be a sort of champion of the forest, a guardian, as oh, as cool. it were, someone who fights off other things so that the balance and the nature can stay here. This, and this so, reminds me of the, the supplement we talked about. We talked about this a few months ago, the, the guardian of the grove, the, right. the, the Garrow drug or whatever, that really cool um, Celtic mythological yeah. uh, cla- supplement class we talked about. Anyway, go on. Right. So, but what I was thinking about that is, is that my character can't be that guardian because then it wouldn't make sense that they're leaving this place. And so what I thought kind of made sense is that I think that there is in anticipation of the next guardian being chosen, um, anybody who wants to potentially become this champion can train and compete for this role, and then that role is chosen. So I think I like my it. character, who I, um, just because the way I've been doodling, I, I think I'm going to be playing a, a puka, <laughs> um, but sort of an adaptation of that. So they look rather humanoid, but they have these kind of large rabbit-like ears and these big glowing eyes. Um, and then their hair is all kind of wild and, and it looks sort of leafy. Um, but so my person has been training for years to potentially become this champion of the forest, this guardian. And they've been like training and fighting and making themselves strong and learning about the balance of nature. But when the time comes for that competition, they don't get it. And someone else is chosen. And so now this person who's like, I've dedicated my life to this and I didn't get it. What now? I think that's where pride comes in or proud is that they they see themselves as like being like they were wronged like this was supposed to be their job and so maybe they say you know screw this magic forest i'll go find a different one to protect <laughs> and then that's how they kind of like head out to go look for some other way that they can become like the champion that they knew they were supposed to be so they have all the, the kind of skills and background and history that they should have ascended to this but they were not they're like i'll go and find somebody who appreciates me right and, and understands the value of my skills yeah so cool. yeah, so this is so they they value nature and balance, and yet they have this sort of pride that doesn't sort of quite fit in with that whole like harmony and everything. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's an, that's just part of their fighter character flaws. And I, I think that we always talk about the most interesting characters are flawed ones, right? That they right. have something they have to work through. That you have to say you would be the perfect combination of these two things. If not for your pride. Yeah. If, if you could get over this, you could be the best of all of us. Right. But you have this holding you back. That's yes. That's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. So as a fighter, they don't have a very large build. They're kind of like slender, but muscular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also they're rather quiet. Um, because I think a lot of in, in the, the world that they come from, people don't necessarily communicate the same way that people do in the outside world where people have different languages and things. Mm-hmm. It's more of, um, there's a lot more expressed through body language. Okay. They're and kind of like empathetic communication a little bit. They can sort of, yeah. cause I, I want this person to be very connected to like the animals of that forest. And even I want. I, like the way that I've just been kind of doodling is that their their skin at some spots looks kind of like it's wood. Like there's, I don't know, just the way cool. that they're connected to their environment from where they come from. Um, and so they're very quiet when they leave that forest. And uh, so 
when they talk, it's like kind of they have to think to themselves, oh, yeah, I have to use my words. Um, Hi, I'm I'm Teddy <laughs> or whatever. You know, this is like their name. I, is. So something I actually really like the idea something that would be kind of cool is maybe your character speaks in like a like a sign language sort of that that's something that's really common for them is using gestures or or hand signals or something to talk. And I think that's kind of a cool way to bring in. I've never played a game that involves any kind of sign language other than like thieves can't, I guess. But mm-hmm. I don't really view that as a sign language. I view that as more like the hobo code kind yeah, of. Right. <laughs> um, I, I think that would be an interesting thing to bring into a game to say, what if you had a character that didn't really communicate verbally very well or very often or mm-hmm. didn't feel comfortable communicating verbally? And so they had this other sort of physical way of of communicating with others i think that's really neat and i think that kind of brings in an interesting opportunity for a type of representation in our games that isn't really very common Mm -hmm. in my experience at least yeah Yeah. um i think so the person they they do know the common tongue but they just don't have a lot of practice using it so they can speak to other people but it's kind of something where they'll just sort of stare at you and assume that you know what they want (laughs) and the person's like what are you doing they're like oh um bread please <laughs> like yeah, for sure. you know they'll for sure. be able to use their words um i think um i i i'm going to try and make up a, a name on the spot i want their name to be um uh token tink tinkin ton ton tonko 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 is their name tonko tonko great i like it tonko the druid fighter puka i like the way you got there yeah. Tankin, Tankin, I just got to sound it out. <laughs> you just keep saying <laughs> sounds. You keep saying sounds until it's yeah, like, exactly. kind of a name. Right. Like that works. That's what names are. They're just sounds that we make. Yeah. All the time. So, Absolutely. You <laughs> so as you were uh, talking, I Googled a puka. Those things are uh-huh. terrifying. What is that from? Oh, yeah. They're yeah. so cool. So it's a, it's my favorite um, mis- uh, fantasy creature. It's mm-hmm. a Irish fairy and they're mm-hmm. changelings. Uh, so they often, they can take the shape of a rabbit, a goat, a black dog, a black horse. They love being a horse. Yeah. They love fucking around as a horse. Yeah. <laughs> their whole thing is that, <laughs> their whole thing is that they're usually tricksters and um, there's a, a, like, it's part of some cultures that um, they're involved with the harvest. And if you don't leave um, some of your crops in the field for them to gather they're going to give you a bad harvest the following year mm. um but yeah i think this character because um if he hadn't chosen to pursue this uh this training and this lifestyle he would be able to shapeshift like his brothers and sisters do but because you know the wood has kind of started spreading on his body he can't change anymore so now he's still just this kind of funny mixed looking humanoid with these animal ears and this kind of wooden skin and this humanish face uh but that's kind of the form he's stuck in now yeah i like that yeah so i'm thinking so, the uh the puka lives hulu original series the depiction there is probably not canon then no it's... that thing <laughs> ooh, yeah i've seen the trailers for that and it's just like they they took the idea of that it's vaguely rabbit ish and they're like right. what if it was like a weird like mascot costume <laughs> yeah and a mascot yeah. somebody watched yeah. Yeah. Dark for eyes a little i, I was just gonna say times. somebody just bought a yeah, yeah, right. bad Donnie Darko costume. Exactly. Well, I think that thing is supposed to be a puka. Oh. Um, their, their pukas have shown up in a couple of cinematic representations. Um, that's supposed to be a puka. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Harvey. It's a black and white film from like the 50s um, where a man has an imaginary friend who is like a six foot tall rabbit. Um, that's also supposed to be a puka. That happened in the 50s? Yeah. No, it's a really <laughs> good movie. Interesting. Yeah, it's um, it's got um, J- Jimmy, Jimmy... Jimmy Stewart? Yeah, Jimmy Stewart. Well, in it. Mm-hmm. 
You, you want the moon? <laughs> it's called uh, Harvey. Yeah, it's, it's um, I think it's based on a play, which might be based on a novel. Um, but yeah, it's just the idea that he has this imaginary friend and everyone's like, that guy's crazy. And like, eventually at the end, he proves he's like, what does it matter if, if my friend is real or not? Like, it's all about like happiness, right? <laughs> <laughs> Great Jimmy Stewart impression. <laughs> Thank you. Also, early rec room right there. So you can check yeah, that one off your too. Yeah, early go see Harvey. Room, go watch Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty close to a baby. I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Dang. We'll have oh, to give man. you a prize if you win. <laughs> uh, so... Okay, now we actually do have a good foundation for all of our all of our characters here. We, we, do we all have names? We all have I got names, it. No, right? I just um, came up with a name recently. Oh, okay. What is it? Um, what is so it? So it is going to be. Um, wait, wait, wait. I had it somewhere. I wrote it down. Um, so it is super long of Hewleton <laughs> Farsworth Cromwell. Um, that's like their noble birth given name, um, but they just go by they Dang. just go by Flint. 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 Yes, Flint. Ooh, nice. I like that. And that's a good like street urchin right. name. So they like yeah, it is. They, it is. They totally. specifically hide their like you know their their birth given name because it's like that's not intimidating. That's not gonna fly with anybody. Uh, yeah, people will think I'm soft. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. I like that. Okay. Cool. So okay, the question that I have now yes. here, I, I think this would be an interesting thing to let's establish some kind of group dynamics, right? So we talked about how we all come together, mm-hmm. right? So Flint traveled around finding remarkable individuals who fill very interesting sort of niches. He's Charles to, Xavier. To, yeah, exactly. You're, you're a Charles <laughs> Xavier or a or a Samuel ja- Sammy Jackson from <laughs> the Avengers, uh, trying to gather up these these individuals. The the three of us, uh, Flint, Tonko. And uh, Ellie and were, gathered, were gathered together. No, Thomas oh, came yes. in later. Yes. So three of us were gathered, and then we went on some adventure, and we, we met Thomas, who was a guide for us out in the wilds. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was cast out from his group or, or was kind of on the outs with them and had to come and travel with us. Um, something that I think would be interesting is for each of us to say, in this group, who do we get along best with and mm-hmm. who do we get along most poorly with? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I have a... a answer for that right away i I think for me for ellie if my motivation is to become famous and to be recognized by people and kind of have everything just sort of like i've had a terrible life and i want things to get better i definitely see flint as someone who can help me with that that you're sort of refined and put together and i would maybe see you as someone that could kind of help manage my you know i i have a patron right now who manages me but i'm kind of trying to get away from that i'm trying to find like a better contract i'm trying to find like a better a better ally here. You've got a manager. Um, I could see but you, you need an agent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I need somebody who can sort of help me get out there that isn't trying to kind of manipulate me or, or like steal from me, basically. So I think I would really, really like Flint. And I would probably see uh Thomas as someone who's kind of the you're sort of the, the guy who acts up all the time who maybe could cause problems <laughs> for me. I'd be worried that, you know, if I go to a concert and I'm trying to like glad hand all my all my fans and you show up in like a crazy rage and start punching people. I'm like, I don't want my show. I don't want my concerts to have the reputation of being like, you know, violent, like death clock style. Everyone (laughs) dies when they go and they see us in person uh, kind of situation. So uh, I think that's sort of my dynamic with the group. Yeah. See, Um, I think that works well because I can see um, Tonko getting along well with Thomas actually, um, mm -hmm. because like Thomas is also from sort of like a wild setting. And I think, 
even though I think Tonko likes that he's sort of the calm to Thomas's potential wild side because it yeah. provides that balance that You're he's the eye of the storm exactly that he's looking for <laughs> and so he's like he's like I'm I hang out with this guy he knows what's good cool yeah cool <laughs> I, I agree with I that. Like that sweet who, who do you dislike in the party Tonko dislike or who do you knock it along with really well who do you who do you have like friction with i think ellie puts me off a little yeah. bit because ellie i mean she's all about like show business and like that sounds very kind of society centered and even totally. though tonko is venturing out into a society world i think i see no room for nature in the life that you seek to live that's fair and i also i think ellie is very concerned with image and with looking really well put together for the for society for people like not really concerned with nature at all like right. maybe i use beauty products or or you know <laughs> supplements that are that are that harm nature or whatever that that maybe are offensive to you because i want to be beautiful and sought after and famous and that there are natural things that i sacrifice to that end yeah and see i don't think like it doesn't make sense to me that um someone would stay in a party if they actively didn't like somebody yes. so it's not that tonko doesn't like you it's just that tonko we're if, not besties yeah if if tonko and ellie had to go on a side quest together it'd be real awkward and quiet yeah. like i would not yeah. make conversation i would just For be sure. like mm -hmm, okay anyway <laughs> <laughs> but that would be a really fun interaction i think that'd be a those are my favorite kinds of things to roll play right yeah, exactly so. cool well, what about uh what about you two jared and kevin do you have ideas about who you think you would get on well with or get on poorly with yeah so i think thomas would struggle a lot with uh flint just because okay. thomas is, comes from this world of this very barbaric tribal style of world where it's kind of everyone wanted to eat for themselves survival the fittest that sort of thing and then his parallel life of being that guide and a ranger where again it's kind of relying on himself and being his own person and now he's working with this flip yeah. guy who's trying to kind of corral him and sort of lead him and maybe thomas realizes part of him needs that but he would definitely think struggle to take direction and sort of follow his lead for Definitely. sure. That's funny. I think you two are kind of mirrors of each other a little bit too, that you're like the barbarian that's really in control and the bear barbarian that doesn't try really hard to control yeah. everything. Yeah. Right. right. And that's actually why I was thinking that I would specifically get her along with Thomas. And that's kind of funny. <laughs> no, because like it works really well where like Flint would be like very much so focused on like, you know, I can I can shape this person. I can make them out to be the the best that they can be, you know. Um, so I think there would actually be some nice friction, like even though it would be like, yeah. overall good, it would be like kind of a, a push and pull, um, where like with, totally. with Ellie, um, I think it would just be pure, I guess just easy. It would be a very easy relationship where basically Ellie would just yeah. do whatever Flint says, you know, just kind of like you are following me. I have your best interest in mind, but I also want you to have mine you know, is as uh, at the forefront of your mind as well. Um, I sure. think a lot. Whereas with Thomas, it's like Thomas is your best friend, but you are not Thomas's best friend. <laughs> right, 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 right. right. Um, but I was thinking Tonko would probably there'd be like some friction there. I don't think that uh, Tonko's, I don't I want to say free spirited methods, but just like kind of um, rejection of society and structure. I think that would cause some mm -hmm. problems. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think Tonko is trying to say, I need to understand what's beyond the forest that I knew. And yeah. so he's open to 
these things, but he's very kind of skeptical of all of it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair cuz cuz you don't have a lot of experience outside of your sort of grove. Yeah. And you're interested in it, but it's not something that's familiar to you at all. And I think one of the reasons why he decided to join up with you guys is because he's like I don't feel comfortable doing this by myself and I need people who are out here and who knows like yeah. what's going on. And so I think it would make sense to me that um Flint might have been able to persuade him to say like, "Oh, I can help you find your next yeah. you know forest or something just come with us for right. now and he's totally. like yeah okay and and also that you would establish a close bond with thomas right away because you're both a little bit out of place in the same way right that you have this background of like we belong in the forest and in this a little bit more chaotic environment but we're that's not where we are anymore that's just the the hand we've been dealt and that you can kind of bond over that it yeah makes perfect sense to me what what do you think uh thomas <laughs> in regards to what well it, so it, it, i mean do you kind of agree with all of these relationships do you think this is like an appropriate kind of characterization of the connections you would make in the group yeah absolutely i think that all kind of fits really well would be, it'd be um i want to play at this table i think it'll be really interesting <laughs> to see all that play out i, I know like our current like Perfect. main weekly D group we, we there's some tension between different characters. We don't all get along. Yeah. And some are more drawn to others, and I, I really love that. And so I'm, I'm actually happy that's you wanted to talk about that with uh, this party because a lot of times you'll see within D and D where it's almost you don't want party members like at complete odds where they truly cannot work together because then yeah. there's kind of that mm-hmm. argument of why are they working together. But if there's friction there, I think it can make for some really great role playing moments. Sure. I, I think friction forces you to interact in ways that uh, cooperation doesn't really, right? Like, if there's no problems, then you don't really have to talk to each other. You can sort of just assume things are going to be fine and go on kind of passively. And so having mm-hmm. you have to be somewhere situated in the middle, you know? And that's, I think, dependent on the group. If it's a group that you're really comfortable with in person, if it's, you know, if it's players you've known a long time or, you know, friends you've known a long time outside of the game, I think... I think there's a lot of value to exploring characters that exist kind of at odds with each other because you can sort of safely explore these conflicts in interesting ways that won't really harm your real life friendships at yeah. all. And and I think that makes for a more interesting story. Absolutely. Doing so. So right. what do we think? I think just for one last thought before we wrap up, mm-hmm. um, what might be, you know, our group is together. We all have our, our separate goals that we're kind of, yeah. you know, searching for. What's sort of one enormous conflict that might arise that we have to yeah. sort of face? Do we want to use another prompt for this? Do you want to generate that a word? That would be great. I generate a word that, a... Because I'm thinking yeah. that I 100% like Flint seems to be like kind of the, the party glue the person who's like, you know, again, yeah. specifically went out to to gather these people, um, you know, beyond the idea of like a found family, which I feel like all D&D parties touch on. Uh, I feel like there has to be some reason yes. why he's grabbing these people. Yeah, Flint is, a, I, I would maybe see Flint as being a little bit more of a mystery to the rest of us. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we in a meta sense, like having talked about this for an hour and a half now, like we understand Flint, but I could see Ellie or Thomas or Tonko not really, not really getting Flint being like, why did Flint bring us together? We don't really know that about him. Right. Like what, what is, what is his motivation behind all this? And so revealing that 
is. Yeah. I, I see Ellie just like still having that like, but come on. I mean, like, you know, it's Flint. Flint is the one who's, you know, he, yeah. he got us all together. <laughs> yeah. So Flint's plan, we got to follow Flint's plan and he's going to do everything. He's going to help us, you know? For sure. Mm-hmm. Flint got me that show at the Trocadero. Right. It was great. great. Like I, I got a lot of great press from that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the random word that I generated is sink. Sink. Ooh. Sink. We have to do a battle of the bands against Insync. <laughs> Clearly, Vito. a villain is going around and uh, stealing all of the sinks. <laughs> oh yeah, that's way better. Obviously. See, I was picturing that maybe I'm when I hear sink, I think of like Atlantis um, or like some big area like sinking into like the sea or something. Cool. And so yeah. I don't know, maybe like some like place disappears and for whatever reason we're the ones charged to go figure out why or maybe we're in a place maybe i mean um flint got everyone together right and he's like all right we're all together now and like there's a lot of weird like dynamics in this group and we're like we're not quite feeling it flint maybe we're not going to stick together but then the area we're in gets like it all sinks down into some like some disaster happens and now we're trapped together and we have to work together to solve this you know what about this maybe I, I think it is interesting that we're kind of at a maybe on the verge of a breaking point where, you know, we've been traveling together for a little while and we, we haven't really made a lot of progress. Like none of us are rich and famous. None of us are like well acclaimed adventurers at this point. So we're sort of like, should we keep staying together? Is this working? Is there value to this? Right. Um, Group therapy. We're, we're Yeah. So <laughs> we're all at a thing where it's like make or break right now. Um, and in the town that we're staying in, maybe there's this this famous like kind of enchanted or or it's a forest that there's a lot of like legends and sort of stories told about it people don't really know about it um and maybe that's why we're in this town as we came there to investigate this forest because tonko and thomas were interested in kind of connecting to the 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 natural world again and we're like okay whatever we'll go do that with you guys Mm -hmm. and as soon as we get to the town that forest just disappears overnight Maybe it's just gone and we don't know why. And we're sent out because we have this connection to the wor- to the natural world and we're already motivated to go and explore that. Mm-hmm. We have to solve this mystery of like, there was a forest here yesterday and now it's just an empty barren wasteland. Where did this forest go? Did it snap into the Feywild? Did it, you know, d- did it get cut down by some organization? Did it, like, what happened to it? Where yeah. could a location have gone? Cool. Works for me. Do we all th- think that's kind of interesting? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be into it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure, whatever. We'll great, look into that missing great. forest. <laughs> what let's maybe let's talk about just really briefly, let's maybe each of us give one antagonist. Just come up with one person who would have a reason to make a forest disappear. Um I have some ideas for Ellie. Mm-hmm. Um if you want me to just spin my wheels a little bit while y'all think. Go for it. <laughs> I could I could do that. So what I'm kind of thinking is I I think maybe we've reached a point where I've moved away from my initial patron a little bit that I sold my soul to to become this incredible talent. And because I've been working with Flint so much and I've been making a name for myself without the help of my patron, maybe the patron shows up and he's kind of jealous and he says – I gave you this power. You can't do this without me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to show you that I have the power to give and the power to take from you, right? And so they see that there's a little bit of tension in the group and that two members of the group are just obsessed with the forest and want to reconnect to it and they use their magic to say, you know, you went to this place to investigate the woods and to kind of do them a favor and say, we're going to help you. We're going to go on a camping trip. We're going to help you connect to your to your roots. <laughs> I again. love camping episodes. And as soon as we get there, 
Yes, Yay! camping episodes are great, right? We're going to go on a cool little camp job. And uh, as soon as we get to the woods, we go there and we're like, all right, we got our we got our tickets. We got our permit to go into this like national park. <laughs> we're all ready. We've got our we've got our water and we've got our food. It's like, you know, got our trail mix. It, pack it in, pack it out, that kind of situation. And as soon as we get up to the edge of the, where the forest is supposed to be, there's just nothing there. And so now suddenly we're like. Tonko and Thomas what? threw a fit. Yeah, exactly. Like, Tonko and Thomas lose their minds. They're like, where are the trees? <laughs> Uh, I, I think uh, that would be kind of an interesting thing that, the, f- from my perspective, the cause of this could be my patron is trying to get revenge on me for sort of turning away from them and relying on someone else for their power. I feel like your patron, if they did that, they would have to leave a calling card to be like, it yeah. was me. Obviously, yeah. they, would, they would totally, they would like scorch the earth in a symbol of their, you know, their divinity or something like that. I also well, like the idea that your patron is essentially just like a, um, like corrupt, like record deal or record oh, totally, company. Uh, yeah. Totally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the president of Capitol Records or yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you'll never be on the radio. Absolutely. Oh, never. Oh, Ravnica Records. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. What do any of you guys have any ideas about a, what could be a potential antagonist here for us? Uh, for something from the perspective of kind of like Thomas's backstory, maybe it's yeah. Thomas's home forest that disappeared, and as looking into it, discovers that his tribe is the one that actually made it happen because they are such isolationists. Oh. They decide, all right, it's just time to leave the material plane. We are taking our land. We figured <laughs> out. We made a deal. We figured out some ridiculous ritual where the entire forest and their their land and territory cool. is teleported. So just like a demi plane where it's just them. And the, then you their, can bring in the whole world. thoughts is that they're like we're too in sync with the real world. We have to desynchronize from them. Mm-hmm. I think that's or cool. they're they're worried about getting encroached upon or kicked yeah. off or killed or whatever. And then it cool. brings up the moral dilemma. It's like, okay, do we do we just let them do that? And now here's this void in the middle of the continent, or. <laughs> Did we try and bring it back? You know, you can add in some stuff where neighboring kingdoms and stuff use the outskirts of this forest for resources and there's going to be yeah. a lot of uh, people going hungry and things like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's really cool. I think um, if we found out in doing our research, like the party, that that was kind of what happened, or maybe Thomas would have an inkling. It's like, you know, they've threatened for years that they were going to move the forest and they finally did it. Um, I think Tonko <laughs> would be like, I need to see this forest. Like, I will sure. gladly go with you there and maybe I'll stay. But who for knows? Sure. Sons yeah. of bitches. Yeah. They finally did it. <laughs> they disappeared the entire forest. <laughs> <laughs> what if we take the forest and move it somewhere else? Yeah. It was Patrick Star the whole time. <laughs> that's our real antagonist. I like that. No, I, I think that's really cool too. I like the idea that both of us have people in our past that we could suspect it of being, right? Mm-hmm. That I'm like, I know this really powerful guy that I like, I used to be kind of involved and I'm not really, I sort of moved away from that, but they might've been involved. And you're sort of like, yeah, kind of me too, actually. <laughs> like I have this old tribe that I used to I used to kick it with. Cool, cool. I think we should leave it at that. That's pretty good. Leave it at those. Well, what, so what else though? Uh, uh, Jared and, and Piper, do you have ideas for potential antagonists? Because like none of these are canon. Right. I mean, I think we're all just throwing out ideas of what we would suspect it to be. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Do you have an idea of a a synchronous or a a antagonist that incorporates the word sync somehow into this? Well, I think so. Um. Tonko wouldn't think that somebody like 
took it away. I think Tonko would, he'd be familiar with how his forest had certain enchantments on it to yeah. make it like so people wouldn't go inside. And so I think his first inclination would be like, this is a natural defense mechanism that the yeah, forest okay. has created. It's probably still here. We just can't see it or interact with it in some way. And so I think he would yeah. believe that you know, there wasn't someone behind it necessarily. Yeah, you're you're not wearing your secret decoder ring in 3D glasses, so you can't see it. Exactly. Or, or it's like, what is it? It's like in uh, in They Live, where when you put on the glasses, you can see that everybody's like weird body snatchers or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? No, but oh. go for the, it. The classic <laughs> horror, is that it's a George Romero horror movie? Where the everybody's taken over by like weird aliens. Are you whatever. talking about Invasion of the Body Snatchers? No, not Invasion of the Body Snatchers. They they live as it's the movie where it has like the longest uncut fight scene in any movie, and it's it's uh, uh, Keith David and uh, some other random guy have like a fourteen minute long fight scene in a back alley, and it's just them just punching each other mercilessly. I have no and, idea. And there's like five points where you're like, this is going to be over, right? And it keeps going. But the, the point of the movie is that people are like under control of these or they're replaced by these weird aliens. And if you put on these glasses, you can see that everything is different. And Interesting. It's, it's a movie about like uh, commercialism and capitalism and stuff. I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard of it, but sounds interesting. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty good. Pretty good cool. stuff. Cool. Anyway. <laughs> That's my theory. <laughs> what have you got, Jared? Honestly, when it comes to the forest idea, I don't know if there's any reason why Flint would feel particularly compelled to, you know, investigate this beyond like, you know, his his buddies, um, which I, I don't think that's a problem either. I mean, I, I personally really mm -hmm. gravitate towards the stories of everybody having their own problems and just kind of helping each other out when the time comes. Yeah. Um, I, the only thing I can think of is a couple of logical jumps, which, uh, I'm going to take you all along with me, uh, where sink instead of like this idea of <laughs> sinking down, um, the idea of like an actual sink itself, um, which makes me think of washing your hands. Uh, and that makes me think <laughs> of clearing yourself of prior sins. Like washing your hands Ooh. of the past. Oh, um, okay. I like these yeah. connections. And there, there's a paladin uh, angle right, there too. Right, right. Yeah. So in my <laughs> eyes, there's a person who used to be a part of Flint's gang. Somebody who was maybe yes. his second in command uh, that he specifically left this entire group to get away from uh, because, I don't know, maybe people were starting to butt heads. Flint wanted to go towards a more, uh, maybe a, a less aggressive route towards problems uh whereas this this antagonist uh was kind of coming up through the ranks and and started leading this group um so whereas flint is trying to run away from that past uh he, he's kind of latching on to this new group and dealing with their problems to run away from his own cool. interesting cool that, that's very magnanimous <laughs> of yeah. him to kind of like sacrifice himself a little bit like that to put himself well i mean maybe it is like an escape plan for him but like it is also a little bit altruistic that he's sort of sacrificing him maybe solving his own problems by running away from them to help somebody yeah, else i think that that's like how it looks surface level but it's one of those things like once you look deeper he has like not too much of a care about the rest of the group not like he doesn't care about them but just like okay. you know it, that's not really what his goal is his goal is to focus on literally anything else uh, than his like his actual problems. Makes sense. Interesting. Nice. Okay. I like that. So he's, it's he's guising himself as being super helpful, but it's actually his own escape. Right. Yeah, yeah. He's not as like as as altruistic as we right. thought. Interesting. Cool. 
that's some kind of cool depth i think we've given to all four of these characters i think that's really that's really great um does anybody have a final thought about any of this that we've talked about do you have anything else you want to add to your character or anything else that you want to add to this sort of adventure here before we kind of yeah. wrap it up and, and move on to the next section of the show what and if you, you can if you can tie it into westworld that would be great because then i could complete my bingo card <laughs> oh my god i haven't had a chance yet let me think no um, don't do it leave him no! hanging <laughs> if you hadn't said anything, we might have done it no <laughs> uh no that's uh that's that's for you to deal with on your own <laughs> maybe next episode you'll you'll get a full bingo but uh this one yeah we're gonna leave you hanging i think <laughs> tune in next week and maybe yes. we'll talk about westworld <laughs> <laughs> so i think then that does bring us to the uh end of our creation section of the show and uh onto the the threshold of the rec room yeah uh, and i actually have i thought of one cool rec room recommendation that we should talk about here um while we were going over all this and i, I mentioned it earlier i want to talk about the the, the garadruk again um i don't know if i'm saying that right but uh, a really fun supplement that we were given a review copy of uh, a while ago a few episodes back by uh, our good friend cameron day that's uh, daylight publications on twitter and on drive through rpg and on their website daylight publications um they do a lot of really really cool DD supplements but there was one in particular that i thought was so cool um they created this it's basically a class it's it's sort of a druid and fighter sort of mixture of class but um they they are positioned as every one of them is attached to a forest or a grove and they make a pact with this grove and depending on the type of pact they make they get different abilities so kind of the the philosophy behind this character was if you want to play a druid but you want to play them like a fighter and emphasize their martial abilities or if you want to play a druid and play them like a cleric and emphasize their healing abilities or if you want to play a druid and play them like a rogue and emphasize their sort of utility and sneaky abilities that there's sneaky like abilities. there's like five or six different pacts <laughs> you can make term. that allow you to to, yes, yes, yes the sneaky abilities. <laughs> sneaky abilities. There's five or six different pacts that you can make as this class that allow you to play it in completely different ways. And so it, what we thought was really interesting about this last time we talked about it was that you could have a full party comprised just of this class because it's so incredibly versatile. And we thought that was a really, really fun thing. And it's based really heavily on uh, Celtic folklore. And um, I think they called it like like bark magic or, or like tree divination or something like that. There's a lot of really interesting lore and history to it. Uh, I will put a link to this supplement in the show notes. It's available on drive through RPG. It's like $2. Uh, it's a huge supplement cool. with a bunch of yeah. really, really interesting subclasses that I think I, I couldn't help but think of them when we were talking about your fighter druid combination and how there's a lot of really cool potential in the supplement um, to you know, kind of explore uh, some of those ideas of combining a druid with a slightly different play style, uh, which I thought was neat. The other rec room recommendation that I wanted to make here is uh, actually uh, Monsters in Multiclass. Yeah, go check them out. So if you guys are looking for another really, really fun <laughs> that podcast uh, that talks a lot about... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, never Just kidding, mind. they I don't blow. <laughs> yeah, don't, I don't listen to that guy. that. Um, if you want to, you know, find another podcast that talks about a lot of these similar, uh, kinds of issues that explores interesting and weird combinations of classes, definitely go in and check these guys out here. Is there anything that you want to say? Is there a favorite episode that either of you have that you would want to share? If somebody was going to listen for the first time, something that you think would be a good starting point for them? Kevin, I'll, I'll see if you have one. I know I always get this. <laughs> I always ask this question all the time. They really do think they're shit. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I was really hoping you had an answer. Um, in terms of like a favorite episode, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot. We have like 60 of them now. He's got literally nothing. Go okay. on, Jared. Um, yeah. No, the, yeah. the number one one I always go to is actually the Druid Fighter. Um, because I think that's one that people generally hear the combination of and just think, yeah, that's going to be absolutely awful. Um, but we <laughs> found a lot of really cool stuff mechanically, as well as just a bunch of interesting ways to, to kind of make it work role-playing wise. Um, so Druid cool. Fighter is, is one of my favorites. Sweet. I like that. Well, I certainly had fun working with it, so yeah. definitely. All right. I do have an episode, actually, a more recent one, Artificer Cleric. <laughs> God, I, I love the addition of Artificer to the, the oh, core yeah. class mm. uh, lineup. Yeah. I think Artificer is so cool. I'm, I'm really, really excited to get to talk about that on your show. I, I don't know if Art, I think this episode will come out before your, yes. uh, before our episode on your show. But uh, spoilers for all of our listeners, we're going to be talking about Artificer Monks, which I, oh my gosh, I'm so you excited to talk about that. spoiled that last episode. Did I, I spoil it last listened, episode? Double yeah. spoiler. I spoiled it I, twice. I just finished listening to <laughs> your, your other one, and you mentioned the, the Artificer Monk, so yeah, that's fine. I'll well, forgive you. Get, you. you get what you pay <laughs> it's for. It's fine. Here. It's fine. We're not mad. It's fine. Don't worry about it. You get it's what you totally pay okay. for. It's a free show. There's no guarantees that we're not going to ruin everything for you, so that's that's just how it works here. So uh, if people did want to find your uh, podcast or anything else that you do, if they want to reach out to you on, say, Twitter, for example, where can people find you? Yeah, Twitter, you can go to monsters underscore multi. Um, you can find us on our subreddit, which is our monsters and multi class. Uh, and you can also just go to our website, which is monstersandmulticlass.com. Every once in a while, I feel a little bit crazy and post a, a blog style, uh, I don't even know, uh, just write up, I guess, of campaign stuff and other Ooh. things. Um, cool. They're, they're mostly just stream of consciousness and probably garbage. How's self-promotion work? Much, I don't know how that works. Say much like this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> if you like eating shit, you should read this. <laughs> Perfect. A great endorsement. Yep. I love it. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, uh, I, I think it's great. Um, I, I definitely recommend uh, all of our listeners go and check you guys out. I think you'll have a blast. I, I think there's a lot that your show has in common with ours. It's a very similar kind of creative energy. And I think if you enjoy what we do, you'll definitely enjoy what uh, uh, Kevin and Jared do every right. week uh, with uh, friends and guests of theirs. So uh, Piper, yes. if people want to find more of us... <gasps> Where can they go to go do that? Oh, what? Well, they can find the um, marvelous and perfect and totally flawless uh, World Forge pod um, on any of the streaming podcasts yes. uh, as, stations. As far as we know, we did just switch hosts recently. And yes. we're pretty sure we're available everywhere still, but we aren't totally positive. If we're not, just like uh, Jared said, let us know. We'll fix you that. Guys, um, yeah. But otherwise, if you wanted to read... Oh, I'm oh. so sorry to jump in, but did you guys lose your reviews by switching? We did not lose our reviews. Okay. Uh, so that all sticks around, which is lovely. Okay, well, everyone should yes. go review them anyways. Some, review them on iTunes. Review them wherever yes. you can. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes, please. That well, makes that our was, whole day. That was going to be our next stop, I think, on the recommendation train here is that if you do want to find a way to support our show, the best way by far to do that completely for free is to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Google Play or on Spotify or on Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
uh, leaving us a review, especially if it's a five-star review, does a whole lot to get us in front of the ears of new listeners. Uh, short of that, you can recommend us to your your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister or your or your mima or your grandpa, anybody that you think would have fun listening to our uh, inane uh, and pedantic ramblings, or uh, random dog that you meet, or <laughs> force your cats who are stuck in your house to listen to it with you. Exactly. Uh, please share this with whoever you think is most appropriate. We're not going to judge you based on who you share this podcast with. We will be actually tremendously thankful no matter who it is. So yeah. uh, please consider doing that. If they want to reach out to us uh, on Twitter or mm-hmm. on Gmail, Piper, where are we at? Uh, we're WorldForgePod on Twitter. And if you want to send us an email, you can do so at WorldForgePod at gmail.com. Uh, in case, you know, you've written up uh, a very thoughtful and detailed uh, critique of what we've done or created. Absolutely. Or if you have suggestions for episodes, we love taking viewer suggestions of you yeah. are stuck with a creation project and you want some people to go ham on it for you we'll take the reins <laughs> we will we will absolutely just drive it into the ground we will bury your ideas in a shallow grave yeah which is i know what you all want us to do with them so, exactly uh last week we talked about uh, our good friend D steve's uh world of statavita we would love to take any of your worlds and uh just take a big dump on them that'd yeah. be really fun sprinkle some spice on top yeah <laughs> so let us know if there's anything that you want us to work on for you and short of that i think we will uh, go ahead and call it quits here. We'll look forward to talking to you guys all again next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you again, listeners. And uh, goodbye. And bye. Y- you guys can goodbye. say goodbye too. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> You're welcome. Right, that sounded enough. like sarcastic, that... but that was a genuine thing. Thanks, guys. Nope, nope. That's enough. You're done. You're done. Bye. <laughs>